Psalm number 139. Uh, we're going to read the entirety of the psalm, so I encourage you to follow, follow along with me. Psalm number 139. It says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understand my thought afar off. Thou compassed my past, my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid Thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and hide me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from me, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from me when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Mine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them." How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely that will slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. That's the full reading of the 139th Psalm. I would like to speak to you today on the subject of the God who knows everything. The God who knows everything. I already told you this thought is both a little thought and a great big thought. It's little because I teach my children that God knows everything. We have a big word that we use doctrinally to describe this doctrine, that God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. God knows everything. So it's a little thought and that it's one that we know and acknowledge well and we hear even from the time that we are small children. But it's a great big thought. Because God indeed knows everything. 
There is nothing that is hid from God. There is nothing that God has ever been surprised by. There is nothing that is too far away from God in His purview. God knows everything. It is a subject that is both easy to preach and difficult to preach. It's easy to preach because our Scripture text, while we read from the 139th Psalm today, our full Scripture text would be the entirety of the Bible. Because it speaks of the knowledge of God and the character of God and who He is as God who is God over everything. It is difficult to preach. Because how can I, who am limited in my knowledge, speak to you about a God who is not limited at all? If I'm honest today, the task that is before me is I am fully incapable of ever reaching out to be able to describe to you the depth of the knowledge of God. There's not anybody else that can do it either. For His knowledge far surpasses anything that we're able to think of. It is both a simple subject. God knows everything. And really, that's all there is to say about it. God knows everything. But it's a subject that is altogether greater than anything else you will ever come to know. I want you to think about all the learning that you could ever have in life. You could go to the libraries of the world and you could read every book that has ever been written and you could commit it to your memory and you would still know but a fraction of the knowledge of God. You could read all of the good books of theology that have been written throughout all the years and try to come to the depths of the realization of who God is and be found to be the wisest Bible scholar that there has ever been. And still the fraction or your understanding would be but a fraction of the understanding of God. It is... As I saw earlier today, Mason playing with a Rubik's Cube. As I began to deal with this subject of the God who knows everything, that's kind of what I felt like I was dealing with. In theory, it is simple. And you get all six colors or yeah, on one side all by themselves. I start fooling with it. I get one side figured out and I look at the rest and I just put it down and walk away. <laughs> it's too great for me. Some of you, you can solve those things in a minute not even think about it. You impress me. God impresses me. For your knowledge, your abilities to, to solve the, the most difficult riddles that have ever, ever been imagined pale in comparison to the God who knows everything. So then how, how do we deal with this? How, how is it that we can even begin to try to grasp this topic of the God who knows everything. It is a narrow topic and it is a broad topic. It is narrow and I want you to know that there is only one who knows everything. I forget who it was the other day I was talking but they were a teacher. They were talking about how they teach fourth grade students and how they didn't like fourth grade students because fourth grade students think they know everything. 
Sometimes there's some teenagers here. I've been a teenager before, and I thought I knew everything. The subject that is before us is narrow because there is only one who knows everything, and it is not you. It is God. The subject is narrow in the subject, but it is very broad in its predicate because there is nothing that is unknown to God. I take comfort in that thought. There is nothing that is unknown to my God. He knows right now the very thoughts that are going through each mind here right now. But He knows something even beyond that. He knows not only the thoughts that are going through your mind right now, but He knows the intent of your thoughts. He knows the attitude of your thoughts. He knows down deep, as Scripture says in one place, to the secrets of your heart. I want you to think about all the things that you have inside of you that no one else in the world knows. Not your best friend, not your spouse. Those things that you think about, that that you just wrestle with and you, you wonder about. God knows the innermost secrets of your heart. God knows everything. The psalmist dealt with this here. And I want you to see how the psalmist dealt with this. The psalmist saw that God knows everything. And what he found in that was the personal regard of God who knows everything. If God knows everything, then that means that God knows you. And that God knows me. And I want you to know today, whether you are lost or whether you are saved, God knows you. You might be lost in your sins and you say, well, Derek, I don't know God and you are right and you need to get that fixed up. But I want you to know today that even if you are lost, God has numbered every hair on your head. He knows you. And He knows your rebellion against Him. And He knows your love for sin. And He knows your struggles and your doubt and your unbelief. And He knows you so much that He's loved you through all of that doubt and through all of your rebellion and through all of your sin. And He has loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son that you might know Him. Isn't that incredible? God has known me. He knew me when I was in my mother's womb. You saw the psalmist talk about that, didn't you, when I read it? He knew me as I was being formed together. And He has known all the sins and iniquities of my life. Yet before this day ever was, He loved me so much that He sent His Son to die on a cross on my behalf. You see, when we deal with this subject of the God who knows everything, what should hit us is that if God knows everything, then He must be a God who is personal with us. He must then also know us. God knows you. In the book of Genesis, an angel appears to Hagar. And tells her that she will bring forth a son named Ishmael. And the angel departs and we see there that Hagar says back to God that God sees her. That God sees her. 
I want you to think about for a moment how you feel in life. There are some of you who right now are going through the the, the worst bouts of loneliness and depression. You feel forgotten about by society. You feel forgotten about by the world and by your family and by friends. And you just have altogether resigned yourself that you are alone. God sees you. Several years ago, my grandfather passed away. When I stood with my grandmother, as he was breathing his last breath, my grandmother kept saying something to him. She kept saying, I see you. I see you. I see you. I didn't understand what that meant or why she was saying that. In that moment, all I was trying to do was comfort my grandmother while I also grieved my grandfather passing away. Years later, my grandmother told me what that was all about. And I don't think she actually realized she was telling me about it or that I even remembered that day. But she told me this this account. I want to share it with you. My grandmother was, she's she's always just been a very, uh, she's just a a bubbly person. And and she, she takes great endeavors and she desires to accomplish great things and she's done all kinds of of wonderful things and, and works and, and all these sorts of things with her hands and 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 done has worked harder in her life and a lot of men would work and because of that and because she was in an industry that was dominated by men she felt like she was overlooked and my grandpa would say to her surely i see you he wanted her to know that no matter what the world may have made her feel like they thought of her, that my grandfather saw her. And so as he was breathing his last breath, my grandmother was saying back to him, I see you. God sees us. When I feel like I'm all alone and I'm at the depths of my despair, God sees me there. And when I cry out to Him, if God is a God who sees, He's also a God who hears. That when I cry out to Him, He inclines His ear unto me and He hears me. And He can hear all of us at the same time. There's a word that came to my mind when I considered that. Sometimes my children will all be saying, Daddy, 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 at the same time. And what I have to do is I have to say one at a time, one at a time. (laughs) God doesn't have to do that. He hears from all of us. To me... (laughs) This is a word people are going to laugh at, but it's a word that comes to my mind. It's a cacophony. Anybody familiar with the word cacophony? It means uh, that there's just a noise that's too much for you to be able to understand the one thing that's being said. And sometimes I, I think about being in a cafeteria, you're in a crowded restaurant, and you just hear this, this dull roar all the time of, of voices, and you can't hear anyone in particular, but you hear them all in general. God hears and sees each one of us individually. Isn't that incredible? I haven't got to the scripture text yet. But I want to try to point out a few things to you. 
When we think about God, when we think about His omniscience, when we think about what, what I would describe as, as Him being immense. And, and a lot of times what we talk about when, when, with God is we say that He's omnipresent, that He's all places at once, and, and He is. He's immense. God is fully sufficient to be here right now, and He's able to see the things that are going on down in Brazil and over in China and, and over in England. God is, is fully capable. He, he looks back at the universe, and He's got it all under control. Isn't that good to think about? I look at society around me. I was talking to Brother Nick yesterday. Brother Nick just kind of shook his head. He said, it just seems like things are getting crazier and crazier. And that's what it seems like to me. But God's got it all under control. He knows everything. He looks down and he sees the nonsense that we deal with in society that, that breaks our hearts as, as people just seem to have taken the image of God and just, just corrupted it and made a mess of it and, it and it breaks our hearts. But we can draw strength in knowing this, that God knows the things that are going on here. He's not forgotten us. The children of Israel were in slavery in Egypt. And all at once, God said, I have not forgotten my people. I know what's going on with them. And I've heard their cries. And He raised up one named Moses. The right man at the right time who had all the the prerequisites that were necessary that God was looking for and needed. That his children of Israel might be brought out of slavery in Egypt. Sometimes we get to this place where we feel like God has just turned his back. And he's not able to recall and remember the things that are going on here. God has not for one moment forgotten his people. He's made us that promise that He will not leave, neither forsake us. Do you know one time, listen to this, one time the disciples were walking along there following Jesus and, and they started kind of bickering amongst themselves about who was the greatest. Do you remember this story? You can find it in a couple of places over in the book of Matthew, Mark chapter 9, some different places. But they were kind of bickering amongst themselves about who was, who was, who was the greatest. Who was going to be the greatest in heaven. And Jesus, they, they got to wherever they were going, and Jesus asked them a question. He says, what were you guys talking about as we were going along the way there? And the disciples all basically got too embarrassed to, to talk about it or even bring it up. <laughs> Did you know Jesus didn't even have to ask the question? He knew what they were bickering about. You know what Jesus did? He got a little child and He brought it up in front of him. <laughs> He said, you're asking who's the greatest. You ought to be asking which of you is going to be childlike. <laughs> it's not a competition, the Lord was saying, that you might obtain to some greatness. Oh, but instead that you would have the heart of faith that trust in the One who knows everything. The psalmist said that God was before him and behind him, and that he also had his hand upon him. I want you to think about how that's possible. A lot of times I try to walk with my children, I'll try to lead them in different places, and a lot of times what my children prefer is if I just walk with them and hold their hand. They feel most secure when I'm walking with them and holding their hand. 
But then there are some times where they're going through something and they're unsure about. You know what they need me to do? They need me to walk in front of them so they feel like I've made everything safe. Other times my children are looking to accomplish something something that they need to learn to do by themselves and they just need me to support them. And so I'm walking behind them. God is before us and He is behind us and He has His hand upon us. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? God is with us all the time. He knows us. He knows everything. That's what the psalmist said. And he got to the end of that and he said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. This is like the psalmist came to this point of realization and knowing of God and His love and His knowledge of Him. And he said, I, I just don't know what to do with it. He said, how or where will I go away from your presence? How will I flee from your presence? He said, if I ascend up to heaven, if I climb the highest peak, if I get on some space shuttle, I blast off to outer space, God's there. He said, if I make my grave in Sheol, if I go down in, in, into hell, if I find myself in the grave, or I find myself in the great depths of the ocean, so far down the ocean that light doesn't even travel there. God's there. He said, if I go out as far away into the middle of nowhere, away from anybody and everybody and anything and everything... God's there. <laughs> God's there. You right now may be questioning whether or not God is going to be there for you. I want you to know God isn't just going to be there for you. He's already there. You can't go too far away from Him. Why? Because wherever you try to go, He's going to be there. I always kind of enjoyed a little bit when you see a lost person seeking the Lord and you'll see them, it's like they, they just they get anxious about it and you'll find themselves a little bit of everywhere. Sister Becky back here, she got saved back in the by the, by the uh, water fountain. They just find themselves falling everywhere, don't they? I just got to get to the bathroom. I've heard of people getting saved underneath you know, tables in Sunday school rooms and all these different things. What do they know? What do you know? What do they find when they get there? God's there. <laughs> God can be as much up here on this front altar as He can underneath our water fountain as He can be back in a Sunday school room. God is there. Aren't you glad God is there? You're not on this road alone. But God knows you. He knows everything. I've, I've, I've got to hurry. He, the psalmist continues, and he says, even there shall thy hand lead me, talking about being out in, in the middle of, of nowhere, being out in the uttermost parts of the sea. And he said, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and even the night shall be light about me. He's saying that even if I was to hide myself in the, the most darkest of nights, I bet you've been out somewhere in the middle of the night where, where it's a cloudy night, it's, it's, not a, it's a moonless night, it's just dark, you can't even hardly see your hand in front of your face. You've been out in darkness like that. And in that moment, you think that you are hidden from everything. Why? Because no one can see you because there is no light. The psalmist reasoned to himself, reasoned with who the Lord is. And he said, even if I was to find myself in the darkest of nights, he says, yea, the darkness hideth not from me, but the night shineth 
as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. You've probably heard the phrase before that it's always darkest right before the dawn. You've probably heard that before. Some of you right now are going through a moment in your life where it seems like you are at the darkest part of the night. And you are waiting and you are hoping that light awaits you in the morning. You are waiting and hoping that that the morning is drawing near. I want you to know that though it may seem as if it is dark to you and as though the night will never end, do not be discouraged. Why? Because that darkness that seems to have fallen over you, it is the same as the light to God. God sees in your darkest hour. He sees you and He knows you. In that moment that it seems like you just cannot escape from it, that this turmoil, that this tragedy, that this difficulty, that this depression, that this loneliness that you're going through, that is just never going to release you. It's always going to have its hands around you. I want you to know that God sees you. And He knows you. Psalmist said in another place, it says that the God of Jacob is our refuge and that He will help us. And that right early. I love that expression of the psalmist when he says that. He says that He's going to help us right away. He's not far from any one of us. Another place the psalmist said that He's a very present help in our time of need. A very present help. My wife is diligent as a mother to try to and read and, and study how she can be the best mother and she encourages me to be a good father. And, and you know, one of those things that, that draws us away as, as parents in this, this current environment, this current era that we're living in is what? It's cell phones and technology and all those things, right? And there are some times where it seems like you'll be out eating or, or maybe it just has happened with you. I've noticed I've had to, to deal with myself individually with this. You'll, you'll be out in public somewhere and you'll see kids just, just running a mess all over the place. You'll see them tugging at their parents, you know, shirt tail and all these things and their parents are just caught up in their phone. They're distracted. They're busy. Their children ask them to spend some time with them and they say, well, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. I've got this to worry about. I've got this work. Do you know God's never once been too busy for me? He's never once been distracted. (laughs) Never once been so caught up in something that He was consuming for His own enjoyment that He said, just one minute. (laughs) No. He's a very present help to us. God knows you and He sees you and He is a loving Father who helps His children. We see the psalmist goes on. I'm just going to try to hurry through the rest of this psalm here and 
Maybe we can try to get back to it another time. But he goes on and he talks about how God has, has, has known him. Not only has God has, has known him since he was in his mother's womb, not only has God known him as he was being crafted and growing in his mother's womb, but he says that I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It should be no surprise to us that if God is a creator, that he knows his creation. It should be of no surprise to us that if we are made in the likeness and image of God, that God knows those who have been created and fashioned in His image. When you look in the mirror, you are looking at the image of God. Of course He knows you. (laughs) He knows you like He knows Himself. I want you to think about how well you know yourself. I mean physically. I can tell you right now, i got this weird thing with my ear where I can bend it backwards. I can roll my tongue, look at and I can do all sorts of silly things that I know about myself. you probably got silly things that you know about yourself too, don't you? God knows us more than we even know ourselves. God knows you. He created you. And you say, Derek, I look in the mirror and I am not satisfied. All I see are my imperfections. All I see are the things that I wish were different about me. God created you. And He made you. And He looks at you and He sees beauty. And He sees worth. And He sees something that He values. You are His. And those imperfections that you see, God is the one who has crafted them. (laughs) Oh, child today, don't be depressed. Don't be discouraged. Don't be worried about what the world thinks of your appearance. Think only instead about the God who has created you that you might instead present yourself as a representative of Him. Say, I don't look like these people on magazine covers. I don't look like the people that I see on the movie screen. Listen, God sees you. You are the apple of His eye. I wonder what it must have been like the first time Adam stood up. God took a step back from His handiwork. He was satisfied with it. He says, This is the one I have breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. And this is now a living soul that I have fellowship with. It's unlike everything else. Listen, God did a great job with the other parts of creation too. And He was satisfied with them as well. But He created Adam out of the dust of the ground and He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. And I can just see God as Adam has stood up and He said, this is the one now that I have a relationship with. He looked at Adam and he said it's not good for him to be alone. So he had a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He took of his rib and he created Eve. And I can just imagine what it must have been like the first time Adam saw Eve. He had saw all these other animals with all of the males and females there in the animal kingdom. 
And now Adam, for the first time, sees the one that God had created for him. And he said, this now is the one that has been made for me. This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. What am I getting at? What I'm getting at is that God is the one who has created you. God knows you. And what He sees is beautiful. And so do not set your life that you might appear more presentable to the world, but instead set your life that you might reflect who God is. I need need to hasten. It says, Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. I learned in a college class one time about how different philosophers have reasoned over time about their existence. And one of them said that the proof that that he existed was the fact that he could think. If I was to just ask you to list, make a list of all the things that you've thought today, and you begin to write that list, and it's only 1225, you wrote a list of all the things that you've thought from the time you woke up to 1225 on July 4, 2021, what we'd be able to point to is all these things you've thought about are the things that at least for today are most important to you. The things that are consuming your mind, the things that you are worried about, the things that, that, are, that are grappling for your attention. Some of them are your children or health concerns or worries about your neighbors or friends or families or loved ones, things that are going on in the world, things that are going on in your lives. If we were just to make a record of that, we would see all that is important to you here at this moment. God's thoughts are on His people. God's mind right now in heaven, it's consumed with the thoughts of His people. He's thinking of us. He's thinking of you. Isn't that precious? God is spending time right now with me on His mind. How precious are the thoughts of God. The psalmist said, when I awake, I am still with thee. Sometimes a little child will be scared of going to bed and they will fall asleep with their parent by their side and they'll ask their mom, they'll ask their dad, will you still be here when I wake up? The psalmist saw that God was still with him when he woke up every single day. His mercies are new every single morning. His grace is perfect and sufficient every single time. God knows you. The psalmist went on and he talked about being angry with the wicked. He talked about being for the favor of the Lord's cause. And I won't spend too much time there, but he got to the end here of this psalm and he said this. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Now that would seem like it's a a little bit going the opposite direction of the rest of this psalm. David has already talked about how God knows him, the depths of God's knowledge of him, the depths of God's love for him. Yet here he says, God search me and know me. Now we would look at that and we would say, well he's already said that God knows him. Why now would he cry out for God to search him and to know him? 
It is not only that there would be that God would know us, but that God would reveal to us His knowledge about us. That God would lay us wide open upon the altar. That He would search us. That He would show to us the innermost parts of our lives. That we could see those things that are even hidden from us, but aren't hidden from Him. That we might be able to find ourselves a deeper and growing desire for the Lord. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. David is saying, God, if there is any wicked thing in my heart, will you please lay it out before me that I can get that right with you and instead walk in the way of everlasting. To walk in the way everlasting. God's understanding, the Scriptures tell us, is infinite. We find that He knows all things. We find John talked about that. John wrote that God knows all things. He knows the numbers of hair upon your head. He knows the number of stars in the sky. He knows the number of sands that are on the seashore. God knows all things. He sees all things. He is not limited. He doesn't have blinders on. He doesn't have some vision issue that He can't see what's going on in your life right now. He knows the secrets of our hearts. He sees the things that are going on and not just in your thoughts, but the intents of your thoughts. Job said it this way. I'll close with this. He said that God knows without investigating. God does not require an investigation to figure out the things that are going on in your life. You see on TV shows and movies. Even now you see you can listen to podcasts where they're doing all this investigative journalism trying to figure out who done it and, and what happened and, and, and try to make sense of the events that have unfolded in some certain situation. God does not need an investigation to know what's going on in your life. God knows everything. He is the God who knows everything. I thank you for listening to me. I pray that maybe the word of the Lord was of an encouragement to you today and that God would bless you and that you would have a deeper knowledge of him seeing that he knows you. It's what on your heart today. Something the Lord wants you to say or do.